Welcome to another true crime podcast, a How Did We Get Here production. This is yet another podcast where two unhinged adults talk about the awful stories behind the most infamous killers, wild cults, and just about anything that'll make you ask, did I remember to lock the front door? This podcast will touch on a pretty wide range of gruesome topics and is not meant for children or the faint of heart. Listen at your own risk. Hi guys, welcome back to another true crime podcast. Welcome back. <laughs> I'm I'm Nova. I'm Nani. I think it's my turn, so we're gonna talk about. A I killer. hope it's your turn because I don't have anything ready. <laughs> well, yeah, I also have notes open right in front of me. Yeah. So since it's my turn, we're gonna we're gonna talk about a a killer. I'm so pumped. We have drinks today. Oh, yeah, we do. We Just like every other true crime podcast that yeah, I listen to. Yeah, but this time it's smoothies, and smoothies are good for you. Yeah. Uh, I need it. I need to eat more protein because I've been working out more. And so, like, I, need, I have to find a way to... <laughs> I need to eat protein so that I can keep weight on me so that so that my depression doesn't swallow me whole. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Yeah. You want to take a guess at who we're talking about today? Oh, there's so many good killers, though. <laughs> I don't know if good is the right I word. I say good for, like, content-wise. Not like they were good people. It's fun to hear about. It yeah. is very fun to hear about them. We're talking about a guy named Kendall Francois. Oh, that's a fancy last name. Yeah. I wasn't exactly sure how to pronounce his last Francois. name. Francois. Because it's spelled, like, Does it have the, the funny little, uh, little s- Oh, it has a little squiggly C? No, it doesn't. Oh, it doesn't? It doesn't. It's F-R-A-N-C-O-I-S. Oh, yeah, Francois. Francois. Yeah, yeah. I said it right. Okay. Francois. I looked everywhere. I don't. I didn't want another Issei Sagawa situation. I so mean, you pronounced I was it like... correctly. <laughs> I just needed to make sure. You did good with Issei Sagawa. Okay. Kendall Francois mm-hmm. was born July 26, 1971, in a little town called Poughkeepsie, New York. Mm-hmm. I also hope I am saying that right. Uh, apparently, uh, northern states have some weird city names and they're mm-hmm. easy to butcher. <laughs> so we're going to call it Poughkeepsie because I heard other people say Poughkeepsie. Poughkeepsie had a population around three, uh, three, 30,000 people at the time. Mm-hmm. Kendall grew up on a little street called 99 Fulton Street in said place. He had both of his parents, Paulette and McKinley Francois, and his little sister, McKinley. I think that's how it was said. And he had a little sister. So Kendall growing up was a really, really big kid. He had, he was like super heavy set and like really, really tall. Oh God. Yeah. He was just a massive child. He was also like very introverted, which is, he's like the opposite of <laughs> last, the last guy I talked about, Yeah. but also kind of not. Well, no, he is the opposite. He is the exact opposite, except he's also introverted. Like physical like yes uh, physically physically uh, last guy was a shrimp and now this guy's he's a tank he's a fridge yeah and kind of mentally he's kind of opposite so growing up kindle francois his house was just like disgusting like his living situation was super fucking gross i heard someone else talk about it like you you have no everyone anyone growing up it was like the gross house. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was his house. Oh. It was disgusting. It was unkempt, just nasty. His family was also said to be like unclean and it was kind of hoarder-esque. Oh. Like trash everywhere. It was just not well, taken care of. However, growing up, Kendall was really, really good at sports. Mm-hmm. So that particularly he was good at football, which is great because in middle school he was like not popular he's kind of made fun of like all that sort of stuff but then in high school he found football um he joined the football team and that sort of like 
got him a bit more popularity like he he started to become liked and he said that he like really enjoyed being part of a team Mm -hmm. he enjoyed working with other people so kendall graduated in 1989 and then enlisted in the u.s army oh no this actually doesn't go anywhere Oh. <laughs> like he enlists in the U.S. Army. He completes basic at Fort Sill in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And then he's discharged after four years because of his weight. Because as an adult, Kendall was around six foot four and weighed around 250 to 300 pounds. He was massive Wait, all of his life. So was he, was he like mus- too muscular or like he was too fat? No, he was like obese. Oh. He was fat. Yeah. Like he wasn't like fit and i'm not saying like there can be really large people that don't have a lot of muscle that yeah. are still very strong but he just sort of like didn't take care of himself oh and that's so okay. yeah i was gonna say because i was like i don't see why the army would get rid of someone that that's that big yeah they're muscular well i think because my, my wife is in the army she's a captain in the army <laughs> um but i think she's said that um there are programs that you can go through mm-hmm um, if you don't pass height and weight, that can, like, help you get more, like, fit. Yeah. Like, that sort of thing. But if you don't, like, and if you're just big but can't, like, pass the PT tests and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the problem. If you can pass the PT test with a certain thing, it doesn't really matter what the tape says. Yeah. But if you don't pass the PT test and you don't pass height and weight. Yeah. And you don't go through the program and you continually do that, they can be like, here's your goodbye package thank you for your service yeah so that's probably what happened and this was before the u.s was like trying to get anyone to join the military yeah yeah yeah. we can kick you out yeah yeah yeah. they were like well (laughs) bye have fun i guess so he returned to new york to live with his family and enrolled at duchess community college uh, majoring in liberal arts is liberal arts i think that's just english or is that no i think that's just like a general all-around term for call for just like studying in college i think <laughs> he's just majoring in college yeah you can study you can get like a degree in general studies like i have one i have so, oh god this sounds like i'm fucking bragging i have multiple degrees i have an associates in psychology and then i have an associates in general studies but because i had like leftover credits yeah and my mom was like well you can also just throw that on there and i was like okay sure I was like, I'm not going to say no to an extra degree, so. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there are people that, like, genuinely want, like, if they're in the military and they don't know what they want to fucking do after they get out, and Mm -hmm. they're like, oh, hey, I'm just going to go get a fucking degree in general studies, and so then they just go through, like, the basic courses, do some fun electives, and then. Yeah. They have a degree, and that looks good to other job prospects. I wish that's how that worked, because I cannot, for the life of me, get through college. No, it Because of all the extra stuff. It was a struggle. You have to really enjoy what you're doing. Yeah, and I have not ever been in a situation where I was like, yeah, this, I will get through it for this. I didn't get to, I didn't get to that until my junior year. No, it wasn't, unless it was my electives or, like, my actual courses that had to do with, like, what I was interested in. Mm -hmm. Like, the, like... I took AP calculus in high school, and then I fucking took algebra when I got to uh, uh, college. I was like, why did I struggle? Why the math. fuck did I take such advanced math? Why? I don't remember shit from AP calculus. I do not remember anything. I was able, at one point, I could take the volume of a sphere. 
<laughs> or some shit. I used, like... I would not know where... I have to use my calculator on my phone to calculate the weights that I'm going to put on the bar. I'm not... <laughs> no, don't get... I'm not judging you. I still have to use a calculator, like, when I'm... Pro, like, when I'm counting it, when they're like, oh, this many hours, like, at the mm-hmm. shop charging... Cause we charge hourly mm-hmm. and I'm like oh okay or like addition subtraction like yeah psychology majors are infamous for not for like get away from me math like statistics <laughs> is like the most and even then I'm just like hissing I'm like get away from me no get away math I know you're important math is cool <laughs> but also it's just not for me yes my stepdad is I mean he's a math teacher mm-hmm. math major fucking amazing at it amazing at finances and then there's me and i'm like what do i do sabrina wants to be a math teacher when she gets out of the military i don't understand it i'll hook up her and my stepdad to meet and talk so that she knows like she's getting into yeah yeah the things he tells me are hilarious yeah well so yes liberal arts he gets a degree he goes to get a degree in liberal arts and while he is getting his degree he takes a job as a janitor at arlington middle school uh, and then was promoted to, like, an aide where he was, like, monitoring students, like, through the halls and making sure they're behaving or whatever. Uh-huh. I imagine that, because I don't know if this happens at other places, but I remember where I grew up in middle school and high school, there were a lot of fights that ended up breaking mm. out. So yeah. I know that there were, like, teachers or, like, people that were assigned to, like, break those up. So I wonder if, because oh. he was so big, if, like, that's sort of what he did. They're like, we have but, a bouncer. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> he's a school bouncer. Look, these fights, like, even, I remember even the the gym coach, the male gym coach teachers, they would be like, yeah, when girls get into fights, like, that's not a fight we want to go into. Yeah. Because girls fight dirty. They rip hair. They yeah. have nails, like, jewelry. Yeah. Guy fights, like, the teenage boys, like, yeah, that's one thing. But, Mm -hmm. like, girls fighting is terrifying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I remember in middle school, there was a girl that got her, like, weave ripped out of her head. And it took a chunk of her scalp off. There was, like, blood all over the bus lane. It was wild. I did not see it because I didn't ride the bus. But I had a friend that rode the bus. And she said, saw it. I never had anything wild happen on the bus. That's crazy. I do remember there was a fight and someone was recording it. And because of my little boyfriend at the time, it? we were in high school. And so my little boyfriend at the time, we, he hears a fight. He grabs my hand and we go closer to watch it. The giant watches. Why? Why do you run closer to the fight? We wanted to see it. He knew I was a chismosa. He knew I wanted to be like, ooh, what's happening? And then the teachers are like, everybody move! And so then we had to run, but it was... Oh, that was no. That was truly my love language. <laughs> go see a fight! Let's go see a... Let's go watch just, a fight! Oh, no. So I'm just used to get you, like, uh, WNBA tickets or something like... Not WNBA. What is it? Uh, WWE w- or something like that. Tickets. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like, like watching people... Yeah. I don't know sports. I'm... I, I know sports to a fault, but <laughs> I used to I used to do sports, anyway, like actual sports. Yeah. So Kendall is a janitor at this college, and then he's an aide, mm-hmm. breaking up fights or something. The kids, however, started to call him stinky because of how he smelled. Oh. He apparently smelled just like really bad. Like just, I don't, you know, they're. Kids are cruel. I've, it's yeah. wrong to put them there. And I've met people like that where you just go near them and you're like, ooh. 
I don't know if this is like a personal hygiene thing or like I know there's like some disorder, like not disorders, but like illnesses that you people can have yeah. or like just they naturally smell. So like like making fun of someone for that is bad. But all, and also like kids are cruel, but also he kind of deserves it at some point. Oh. Uh, let's be. Uh, yeah. Also, don't make fun of people. Other teachers started to notice how much time he was spending with girl students. Oh, don't like at that. The middle school. Yeah. This is why I'm like, mm. You know, he, he is make fun of him, I guess. So he would like play with their hair. Nope. Nope. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. And also make like vulgar and sexual jokes. Oh, no. Make them fun of him more. To get a rise out of the girls or like get their attention and stuff like that. Yeah. It was not appropriate. 911. Yeah. When was this? The eight, the 90s? 2000s? Yeah. It was like uh, around like 1980, like nine and stuff like that. Yes. So Poughkeepsie at this time had a problem with like a dr- the drug trade and it was pretty common to see sex workers and people like that downtown on the main streets looking for, you know, would trade sex for drugs or like for money. Like, and sex work is work, but also it was really dangerous at this time. Uh, Kendall would often hire these sex workers for some like sweet loving uh, in the nighttime sometimes. Mm-hmm. So he was like a regular of a couple of the sex workers down there. On October 24th, 1996, the the year I was born, <laughs> Kendall picked up 30-year-old Wendy Myers. It said that he was a regular of her clients, so this, like, wasn't out of the norm. He'd, like, go over, she's like, hey, and then they go off, you know, that was a regular thing. They went to the Valley Rest Motel in Poughkeepsie, where they engaged in some sexual relations. And during that, it said that he became really, really enraged, like, super, super angry. Uh- I don't know if it's because he felt that she was ripping him off or, like, something, like, just triggered him. He just all of a sudden became super, super angry and choked Wendy. She Not consensually. No, definitely not consensually. She fell unconscious and he, since he couldn't, like, kill her while he was choking her, he filled the bathtub up with water and then drowned her. Oh, my God. Yes. (laughs) What the hell? He then took her body back home. To his parents' house, which he lived at with his younger sister, and placed her in the attic. I don't know how he snuck her body past all of them, but, like, yeah. I wish y'all could see my face right now. Like, (laughs) it only gets worse from here. No! I don't feel bad about him being called stinky or whatever by these middle schoolers. I hope they ripped into him. Yeah, me too. On November 29th, 1996, Kendall picked up another sex worker that he was a regular client for. 29-year-old Gina Barone, they were hanging out in her car, in his car, not her car. They were hanging out in his car late at night. He had, like, parked on a side street, and they began to, like, have some sexual relations. So it said in some places that they were on the side street, and then also said that they were in his garage while, and, like, it was parked. Point is, they were in the car. Yeah. I, from what I found, I think they were, like, on a side street somewhere. Yeah. But while they were doing the, the sexual things, he strangled her with his hands again um and he strangled her so hard he broke her neck like her the spine part of her spine that's in her neck he like broke it then he shoved her body under the front seat and took her back to his parents house where he left her body in the car until the coast was clear then he dragged her body all the way up to the attic where he placed it next to wendy's yeah. It said that he had, like, left her body overnight in the car or something like that. Like, he had left her body in that car for a hot second before taking her up into the attic. He shoved her under the front seat? 
Yes, he did. <laughs> what in the goddamn fuck? I guess to like, I don't, I don't know. I feel like you could. I'm trying to imagine that and I'm just in pain. Yeah. I feel like you could. Okay. I, I don't root let's, for this, but you could also like. Let's see how well I can. I feel like you could just like prop people up. I'm <laughs> just trying to like contort. What are you doing? If I can't shove myself under this fucking bed. Oh, <laughs> my bed does hit really low to the ground. Yeah, I know, but so do so do seats and cars, Literally. and he just shoved her under there. I feel like you could just prop her up and pretend like she's sleeping in the car. Pretend like a bitch is asleep. <laughs> Don't take her, hold her up in no. a ball and shove her under like she's a fucking jacket. <laughs> yeah. So she, uh, Gina, was reported missing by her mom Patricia in early December, like December 9th of nineteen ninety six. That's awful. Yeah, that was 10 days after she was murdered. Also in November, so like pretty early after this, I think like a day or two after, a woman named Debbie Ann had escaped from Kendall's house Mm -hmm. when he had attempted to strangle her. I think she was a sex worker as well. She went to the police and what they did was nothing. Of course, because they, (laughs) the police does not give a fuck about sex workers. Yes. She had quite a bit of information on him on him and they just sort of brushed her off because she was a sex worker and apparently you know no one no one wants to help sex workers because you know it's dangerous yeah it's like they know what they're getting into or some bullshit november 31st two days after gina's death kendall picked up his third victim kathy marsh he kills her then he takes her back to his house washes her body and places her in the attic as well It said that he could have killed her at the house that he took her to. Like, I don't know why he would take people back to the house or why sex worker would be be like, yeah, I'll go into this nasty ass house. But it said that he, they like went into, he took Kathy to the house. Then he strangled her and he washed her body and then he put her in the attic. So all of them, all three of these women are now in the attic. What the fuck did his family do? (laughs) Like, what are they doing for him to be able to just take these bodies into the attic? I don't know. Like, his mom worked as a nurse in, like, a psychiatric center, I think. Uh, It's in my notes somewhere. I don't know what his dad did. There wasn't a whole lot on his family. But he's also still working at the school at this time. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's he's still at the school. That's even fucking more terrifying. Yeah. So, Kathy was pregnant at the time of her murder. (gasps) And it said that all three of these women kind of looked alike. Like, they were very similar in stature. They were very small. They were white. They had dark hair. Like, they were very, like, it was very... Much He had a type. January 12th, 1997, he takes a job at Anderson High and was fired pretty quickly after. Because they just didn't like him. Like, Oh, it wasn't because he was being all touchy-feely on the girls? Mm -mm. Mm-mm. What? It was was pretty pretty soon after, too. Like, it didn't have a particular reason. He just sort of got hired. And, yeah, they were like, oh, it's not going to work out. So, like, that's where I was like, they just didn't like him. I imagine, like, the smell and, like, he wasn't super well-kempt and all that sort of stuff. Like, that can, I don't know, maybe that sort of thing. Yeah. And that's what happened. The police also, at this time, brought him in for attacking a sex worker with a knife, Uh. which he said was a nail file and that he did it in self-defense. He is a 300-pound, six-foot-four man who hires, like, tiny sex workers. Ah, yes, you're scared of the five-foot-three little yeah. woman. Like, even I would be... I'm I'm five-six. I would be small to him. Yeah, we would be tiny. Yeah. Like, it would not... You can literally pick me up with one arm and throw me. Like, it does yeah. not take much. A uh, detective at the time, Bill Segrist... That's when the Segrist. incels would come in with, and be like, <laughs> oh, well, 
It was self-defense. Like, yeah. tell me more <laughs> about how you fear someone so much smaller than you. This little, this little sex worker. I'm like, ah, yes. She's just trying to make a living. Why the yeah, fuck was she trying fuck? to attack? Unless she he attacked her first. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Unless he attacked her first, which so, he probably fucking did. A detective at the time, Bill Segrist, went to his house because he was like, hey, we'd like to search your house. And Kendall was like, sure, come and search my house. And he said when he went inside, it was absolutely awful. It just reeked. There was trash piling in the hallways. There was like dirty dishes and rotting food everywhere. Like it was awful. But apparently there was no like smell of bodies. But oh, so the house I just can't... smelled so fucking bad that they didn't notice that their bodies decomposing. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's what a lot of people like suspect. Like it just was so bad. Like it masked the smell of decomposing that's bodies. Awful. <laughs> I hate this part. Oh no. Not even an hour after the detective leaves, Kendall goes and picks up twenty-nine-year-old sex worker Mary. He goes and picks up this twenty-nine-year-old sex worker named Mary mm-hmm. and kills her. And puts her in the attic. Of course. Not even an hour after Detective Seagrass leaves. Also, between this and the next person he kills, Kendall killed another sex worker, Kathleen Hurley, uh, who was 47 years old at the time. Kathy was then reported missing on March 7th, 1997. That's three months after she had been killed. Mary was reporting missing, was reported missing November 13th, 1997. Mm-hmm. Nine months yeah, no, that's right. Nine months after she was killed. What the fuck? Yep. I'm just floored that <laughs> it took so goddamn long. Kathy was reported missing March 7th, 1997, three months after she was killed. Mary's reported missing November 13th, 1997, nine months after she was killed. And then Detective Segrist of the Poughkeepsie Police Department, the one that like went to go investigate him, uh-huh. heard more through the department of narcotics that some of the like main street sex workers were complaining about a guy who had been like really rough and violent with a lot of the girls yeah. and like like to choke them unconsensually oh like this was a common thing oh so they were aware that this is happening oh yeah 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 this they were they have been aware of kendall and like his violence towards women uh, local law enforcement was already aware of Kendall at this point for assaulting sex workers, but with the missing women and complaints about him being like really violent, the detectives decided it was only now time for them to do something about it. Like they're like, ah, okay, I guess things have ramped up enough. Let's, oh, I think let's do something about this. He's collected a body count and he's also <laughs> been assaulting women. Like, I guess now we should do something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What? So they began surveillance on his parents' house and got one of the sex workers to meet with him while she was, like, wearing a wire. Mm -hmm. They didn't get a whole lot of information on this. However, they learned about Kendall's routine. So he would take the family car and drive his mom to work on mornings where she worked at, like, the psychiatric center. Um, She was a nurse there. I think I just said that. And then he would take the car and cruise around downtown and pick up sex workers. Mm -hmm. the downtown area of Poughkeepsie. In early January of 1998, the police brought Kendall in to interview him again about the missing women this time. They didn't get information on him about that. They just ended up... Yeah. Yeah. They just ended up at another dead end. Later on in that month, he was arrested for assaulting a sex worker after they had gotten into a dispute about money. Mm -hmm. So he thought that she was ripping him off. And so... 
he they like got into a fight and he assaulted her i'm sure that that's the full reason he assaulted the sex worker but whatever Definitely. he had ended up punching her in the face oh my god knocking her onto the bed and then getting on top of her and started like choking her oh my god yeah thankfully she got away so she was able to report him on may 5th 1998, Kendall pled guilty to third-degree assault, which apparently is a misdemeanor. What do you fucking mean it's a misdemeanor? And he spends 15 days in jail. <laughs> Say psych right now. I so like, if you're telling me if I, in 1998, okay, I was a baby, I was a baby mm-hmm. back then, but like you're telling me that if I went back in due time right now to Poughkeepsie, and I committed third degree assault on some motherfucker. I would only get 15 days in fucking jail. I guess. So does that... Okay, well, I have to compile a list, I guess, if I go time traveling. <laughs> Start with this guy, I suppose. Yeah, like, oh my god. 15 fucking days for strangling a woman? Yeah. Oh my god, I hate it here. So after this, he didn't attack anyone for a hot second. He, yeah, he, he got fucking <laughs> caught this time. He got caught. He had to go to jail. Boo. So he like laid low for a, for a bit. I don't know what he's doing at, for a job at this time. Like it did not. No one like said what he was doing. I imagine he's just like unemployed at this point. So in early June of 1998, Kendall killed his sixth sixth victim, 51 year old Sarah French. Sandra French, not Sarah. Sandra French. Unlike the other victims, her disappearance was reported June 12th, which was much faster than most of the other people he has been killed. Mm-hmm. He has been killing. Uh, I think it was only a few days later. Shit. Her car was found abandoned in was Poughkeepsie. Was she a sex worker? Mm-hmm. Oh, she was, she was older. Uh, her car was found abandoned in Poughkeepsie, just three blocks from Kendall's family home. Uh, in August 26th, 1998, Kendall claimed his seventh victim, 25-year-old, last name is Newmaster, who also had a striking resemblance to all the other women. Small, white, dark hair. September 1st, 1998. I'm just going down the list. Oh my god. <laughs> Kendall met a woman named Christine Sala, who had a heavy drug addiction. Mm-hmm. He took her back to his place under the guise that he was going to give her drugs. But the moment he pulled into his family's garage, he began demanding sex for her. And she said, no sex for you. No, no, no. We are not doing sex. No, no. Just drugs. <laughs> he came he became very very angry at this punched her in the face and began choking her he then grabbed her by the hair pulled her out of the car and forced her to perform oral sex on him repeatedly saying i'll kill you oh my god mm-hmm. like over and over again after he had finished then the deed was done christine managed to get away oh my god. thank god i saw somewhere that he had like he he she had convinced him to take her back to the main street Mm -hmm. and he was like pulling into a gas station and she like tucked and rolled out of the car or something or i also saw where she had just like escaped the house point is she got away that's good which is great she had managed to find a woman on the street who she like frantically told what happened to her and the other lady was like oh fuck i have to report this and like tell someone this luckily detectives skip manon and Bob McCready, these sound like people from SVU. Yes, they do. No, dead ass. Like, these sound like movie characters. Like, yeah. TV characters. Yeah. They were handing out missing missing person flyers for uh, Newmaster. Yeah. The seventh victim. When the woman came up to them and told them, told the detectives what this other lady freaking 
Christine had like told her. Yeah. She was like, yo, this woman has been assaulted by this guy. And they brought her to the police station where she, the sex worker, Christine, yeah. they brought her to the police station where they were able to get her to file a report against Kendall. Yeah. Is it, which is great because she's a sex worker and they're helping her, but also they have not been at this point. Is it wrong of me to say, this might be a little dark, but like, honestly, at that point, just, I would have rather he just fucking killed me because like, I don't want to go through the trauma of like, wow, now I have, maybe this is just because of me right mm-hmm. now, but like, I don't want to go through the trauma of my face is possibly broken. Mm-hmm. I've just been sexually assaulted. Mm-hmm. Like, I have a drug addiction. Who knows what's going to happen? Maybe that's just me right now. And I'd be like, you know what? Just take me out because I don't have to deal with the ramifications of my mental state afterwards. I I can see where you're coming from. I also would, I think subconsciously, I would fight tooth and nail to survive just out of spite. No, com- that's <laughs> completely valid too. But just me thinking right now, like... I don't think I'm strong enough to make it through that. Like, I've been through yeah. some things, but, like, that's one thing. <laughs> You're like, no. Where, because who knows if, because if this is 1998, mm-hmm. who knows if they're going to fucking believe you, especially if you have a drug problem. They're just going to be like, oh, look at that fucking cracked out hooker. Like, she's. Yeah. You'd have to, you'd have to, like, be like, is, is, am I going to get stigmatized? Yeah. Or are they am actually going to believe me? get legitimate help? Well, I wonder if this, like, woman that she ended up getting to help her mm-hmm. had a hand in it. Because the police showed up at Kendall's house that same day. Oh, word? Yeah. Kendall agreed to go down to the police department to be questioned about the attack. I imagine he's like, well, I've been questioned by them before. You know, whatever. It'll be fine. During the questioning, he couldn't hold in everything that he did. And he ended up just starting to admit to everything. <laughs> Not just to, like, Christine's assault, but also, he confessed to all the, like, horrible things he had done, the killing the missing sex workers, and just, like, everything. So just word vomit. Yeah. Oh, my God. However, he was charged with just one count of murder. I hate it here. Just one. Just one? Yes. New masters. Did he admit to the bodies in his attic? We'll, we'll get there. Oh, God. I think it's because she might not have been a sex worker. Oh. But I'm not entirely sure on that, like... I could not find if she was or was not. Yeah. The police did get a search warrant for his family home. And what they found was, of course, awful. The house was full of trash. It was piled everywhere. Rotting food, piles of dirty clothes. There was broken furniture just Just there. Just the whole house down. At that point. The smell was so bad, the investigators had to wear, like, head-to-toe protective gear to enter the house. That's probably why nobody smelled fucking bodies mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. it smells like garbage already. Mm-hmm. Tell me they didn't have animals. I I saw somewhere that he had blamed this, like he might have blamed the smell on like a dead raccoon, like to explain it to his family that way. Because I wonder if they the could, attic. I wonder if they could smell it. Like, because if you live in gross, like you eventually don't, like you're you sort of immune to the smell. Yeah. But there's like a certain scent to death. Yeah. Well, if a new smell popped up, I wonder if they'd be like. Oh, the smell of yeah. rotting flesh is even stronger today. Yeah. They'd be like, oh, it's just it's a, a dead, dead raccoon. raccoon. It's just a dead squirrel. Why is so much wildlife dying in our house? Maybe yeah. because it's like a fucking nuclear power plant. I mean, nasty in there. So the family claimed to have had like no knowledge of the bodies. One of the explanations were the raccoon. They could have also just been in denial. And like I said, I haven't seen much. I wasn't able to find much on his family. Yeah. But his parents might have had some like mental illness involved or that sort of thing. So they just like, I just, I don't know. Some Something, they don't get charged for anything. Yeah. So I imagine they did not know. 
Maybe they were genuinely innocent. Yeah, I, that's what I want to believe. That's what I want to believe, too. And be like, yeah, you had no clue what was going on. I hope that house was burned down. Oh, God, ground. So the police found all seven bodies, and they were everywhere. Like, they weren't just in the attic. They were also in the basement and stuff. And apparently when that Bill, the original detective that went to go look in the house, mm-hmm. had gone in to like look around apparently he had tried to get in as much as he could and he was like oh what's what like pointed out the basement door like what's down there and he like tried to go that way and kendall was like no you can't go down there and that sort of thing so like that's usually like that would make me want to go down there even more yeah 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 detective like oh don't go down there yeah he was like there that's that's not he was like that's not the way out like because he was trying to leave and that sort of thing um so they found they found all the they found all seven bodies they also found an eighth victim audrey lord i can't pronounce these names uh her name was audrey she uh was the eighth victim that they did not that was never reported they found the bodies in the attics in the crawl spaces in the basement that sort of like sort of all over and all of the bodies were in varying stages of decomp yeah because if he's had one of them since 1996 yeah like that's years Ew. Kendall Kendall thought he was some sort of like cleanser. Oh. Like he thought he was cleaning up the streets of sex workers. He thought he was doing some righteous deed. So by him fucking them, st- strangling them and killing them, he's Mhm. What? Mm-hmm. Make it boy math. <laughs> boy math. <laughs> make it make fucking sense. What I'm going to do, not- I'm going to cleanse the streets. Of these sinful sex workers, but also I'm going to get my rocks off right before I fucking do it. Yeah. Make it make fucking sense. It does not. It, no goddamn sense. Yeah. What the, what the hell? Yeah. That is the dumbest, one of the dumbest things I've ever fucking heard. So October 13th, 1998, Kendall Francois pled not guilty to eight counts of first degree murder. Did you say not guilty? Eight counts of second degree murder and one attempt of uh assault <laughs> one attempt of assault he pl- he pled not guilty december 23rd 1998 his lawyer attempted to enter a guilty plea to keep the death penalty off the table so i imagine his like his lawyer was like you are gonna be found guilty and then they are definitely going to give you the death penalty i know you're pleading not guilty but they're gonna find you like even his lawyer was like "Mm -mm." so he was like look homie it's not looking good yeah no 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 no." so i have a family friend who is a defense attorney and when i was asking her about like things related to like sexual assault and Mm -hmm. me worrying about am i gonna be victim blamed by the lawyer and she's like no a lot of what you see with that like stuff like that Mm -hmm. she's one of the defense attorneys that has like an actual conscience and she's like i want to people that legitimately need good representation Mm -hmm. but she's like if it was something related to if it is very obvious she's like a good defense attorney is not going to try and vilify the other person they're gonna be like we're just gonna state that information Mm -hmm. and that's where we're going like we know there's no there's no winning here Mm -hmm. they're not gonna try and victim blame at least a good reputable one but she's like a lot of the stuff that you see is just dramatized on tv oh okay but that's that's good yeah because i was asking her because i was like because i don't want to have to like get I don't want to get, I don't want to get like verbally violent and start dragging the motherfucker. So I, I love that. I say I love, I think it's kind of funny that the defense attorney was like, homie, there's no coming back from this. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. there. You're you're going to jail. You're going to jail, but I'm going to make sure that you don't die. You don't die. die. Yeah. I also have to get paid. So, so the judge that was in charge of this said no to allowing him to enter the guilty plea. <laughs> he was like, Mm-mm, you've already done this. Not in my house. <laughs> But the defense team appealed and the guilty plea was eventually allowed. So they were eventually like, yeah, you can do that. Meaning the court could not seek the death penalty at the time. Why not? I, because I don't know how law works. I don't know how law works either. (laughs) It had something. Not like that. So during the trial, Kendall showed little to no emotion or remorse (gasps) for what he had done. And even, even like commented Killing seemed easier than getting into a relationship. What the quote, heck? Quote, unquote. I- yep. <laughs> um, August 7th, 2000, Kendall was sentenced to life in prison with no possibility of parole. Good. Um, it was at this trial that it was revealed that Kendall had tested positive for AIDS, which he had contracted back in 1995. Way before this whole thing ever started. Y'all can't see, but I just slid off my pillow. <laughs> Kendall was incarcerated in Attica Correctional Facility until he was moved uh, to a different correctional facility that I'm not going to try to pronounce, where he died of, like, an AIDS-related illness at the age of 43 on September 11th, 2014. Well, I'm glad he's fucking dead. Yeah, yeah, yes. We, because he, Lord, he committed many, many, many atrocities against these women. There's a book written about him called The Spider and the Fly, written by Claudia Rowe. She interviewed him and, like, wrote about the wrote a book about the case and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I did not get a chance to read it, but I have heard that it is really good. So if anyone wants to go read that, it, uh, you should definitely go and read that thing. I feel like this episode was a lot shorter than I, like, the notes were a lot shorter, but a lot of what I found was super concise. Yeah. I think it was like, these things happened, and there you go. He's just, oh, Lord. I, I feel like I also was just trying to get through it. <laughs> He's just so awful. You know, I think it's so funny. I think it's so funny mm-hmm. how the patriarchal society created sex work as an avenue for women and AFAB people mm-hmm. to be able to make money because that's all they had offered to them. Mm-hmm. They go after this sex work. Mm-hmm. And then they claim, oh, well, you're it's sinful, but then they still go after it. And then, oh, we need to cleanse the streets of these women. Well, this is the same fucking society that set this shit up to begin with. Yeah. So. What do you want? <laughs> Why? You can't have your fucking cake and eat it too. Yeah. That doesn't make fucking sense. Yeah. If you're going to condemn it, then help to get these women into, ab- into jobs that they don't have to rely on this. If you're so hell fucking bent. Or let's just make it safer. Yeah. That's why men have problem with OnlyFans because they're like, oh, it's not, it's empowering now. Now it's like, oh yeah, I have a fucking OnlyFans and they're like, oh, well, I'm not paying for that. Cool. You're going to try and get it don't. for free anyways. <laughs> yeah. What the hell? <sighs> I just, I, I wish it, we lived in a society where it was safe for people to express their sexuality and profit off their sexuality if they so choose to without like backlash or putting themselves in danger like the thing that really got me is in one of the documentaries one of the cops i think it was sigros he said that there was a lot of pressure on them to not investigate these cases because they were sex workers that's awful so like some of them were trying but they were like getting shut down from oh, higher she's up just a prostitute yeah which it's still it's a way that someone makes money 
And that, like... Sorry they're like, trying to use what they have. Yeah. Or, like, I don't know. I just... I need everyone to do better. And <laughs> everyone to do, be better. Be better. And, like, get your... Sh- like, it does not matter what someone does. If they have been assaulted, they deserve justice. You shouldn't have to have eight women die. And there were women that had reported shit that he did. That's even fucking so worse. he should have been in prison much sooner if they had just listened to oh, these other women. Because they're prostitutes. Because I guarantee you if they were like middle class white women with husbands oh, and yeah, children. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. There's a, there's a serial killer that I'm eventually going to go over that's going to make you so angry because of because it's essentially like i almost want to do one back to back because one of the this case is um involves mostly african-american girls oh god getting killed like and the police do not investigate nor do they like jump on it super like many people have to die before anything gets solved tends to be or yeah versus like if it was young white girls that's it's immediately gonna get taken care of like people are gonna like rally and join a bandwagon to try to like find this killer i do not understand why anyone ever is seen as lesser than another and that needs to stop so that other people don't die like oh yeah we have all these (sighs) women reporting that they're being assaulted by this man here's Mm -hmm. a very bad a very clear description of him Mm -hmm. oh well we're not gonna do anything because they're just they're just hookers yeah (laughs) yeah like that's what they are still human beings that have dreams that have needs Mm -hmm. that have like that want to be safe Mm -hmm. and obviously they're not they have been failed obviously they have been so fucking failed to where they're scared to fucking report it and then when they do they're like why don't i love when people are like well why don't you just report it go to the police because the police aren't gonna do fucking shit they're not gonna do shit they're not Look, you can do all the right goddamn things with the law and they'll still fucking let you down. Ask yeah. me how I know. You can do everything right yeah. and they're still going to let you down. Yeah. It is so upsetting. So upsetting. Yeah. Especially because eight fucking women died. They, The evidence was right there. Mm-hmm. In that house. Not only did eight fucking women die, many more had been assaulted by him. So, like, who... Like, how many... How many people does it take? <laughs> How many people, like, mm-hmm. it's almost like they're like, mm, it's just one, it's just two hookers. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Nothing crazy. But I guarantee you, if it was a, if it was an upstanding woman from the church, <laughs> then they would have been like, oh my God, all hands on deck. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, <sighs> this is someone's, like, this is someone's child. Yeah. This is someone's friend. Yeah. Well, so- these women, these, like, these sex workers are like, hey- they're being assaulted. Like, this is someone that I know, that I see regularly, and now she's gone. Yeah. Well, one of their moms did report them missing. These are people. Like, <laughs> these are some fucking people. Yeah. You can't just, let's rack up the fucking numbers, guys. Yeah. Like, there's, I think one of the problems is when a lot of these, like, departments start to just see them as statistics instead of people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's a big part of the problem. Oh shit! I remember learning. I remember learning. I mean, also um, a cab. Like they're just one big problem. Yeah, one thousand percent. I took a course called Peace and Conflict when I was in college, and it was talking. I think something that we talked about was how like once a num once like a death toll goes over a certain number, our brains kind of like 
not shut down, but it kind of just, we go blank. Like, we yeah. don't rationalize. These are actual people. It's just a number. Yeah. It's just a concept because we don't physically see it. And it's like we're trying to almost cope with the fact that this is happening. Yeah. Like, eight women. Mm-hmm. Eight human beings. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine eight human beings that you know have been assaulted and killed. Like, you don't think about that when you hear such high death tolls. Yeah. Because it's, like, so... Because the human bot, like, the human brain was not meant for assault. Was not meant for trauma. That mm-hmm. is why true and traumatic things happen. Our brains try and reroute it mm-hmm. into... that. Is, that is why post-traumatic stress is a thing. Because we were not created for this. Like, we adapt to it. Yeah. But, like, that's fucking awful that... All of that, all of this happened, and nobody wanted to fucking believe it because it was a big white man. Mm-hmm. Oh no, was he was black. Oh, he was African American. Yeah. Oh, even fucking better. Oh, let's make even fucking better, sir. Because it was a big straight man. It was a big straight man. A yeah. big straight man going around and killing these fucking women. Mm-hmm. These, you know what? I'm really surprised that it did not take long. That it took as long. Now that you say that he was a black man, because I thought he was a white man because of how easily he got away with it. Yeah. Look at me. It's... Learned something new today. No, I feel like this case is definitely shocking in that way, because you would expect it to be, like, a white man that gets away with that sort of stuff, especially in the early 90s. Especially in the early 90s. But they just didn't. I don't know. I mean, that's not better. Like, race should not be a factor in that. But... And also, it's I'm also surprised that he didn't get caught quicker yeah because now that i know that he is a black man racism yeah (laughs) because usually i mean because of all of the because if a black man looked at a white woman the wrong way like back in the day back in the lovely time of jim crow they could get lynched very easily which is why i'm very surprised that he was killing white women and wasn't immediately tracked down yeah yeah so i'm very shocked right now that was a whoof well, they were also sex workers. Oh, that so, too. So they were like, oh, they're both. It's just, it's one big ball of bad. It's one big ball of awful. One big ball of awful. So that's I think the, accurate. The point of this is if you have been assaulted, we believe you and you deserve help. Yes, you do deserve help. Don't be an awful human being yeah, out in the world. Don't be a fucking awful human <laughs> Go being. Go do something nice today and um, listen to something friendly after this. Yeah, because, because if you're like part of a crime, dark. just know that we're going to fucking cover it and I'm going to roast your ass so hard. <laughs> just know. Oh, man. Well, 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 you'll get to hear Nani and her, her story next time. Um, and I hope you enjoyed this. So I hope you had a fun time, guys, because uh, we sure did. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another true crime podcast with your hosts, Nani and Nova, directed and produced by the How Did We Get Here Productions team. Our music is Ghost by Tim Beak at timbeak.com. And a special thanks to our listeners for all your love and support.